I got a present for y'all. I, I can't really dress up, I'm pastor, but my mom gave me this hat when I was in elementary school, I promise. She got it at a nursing conference in Chicago, that's why it's green. And in elementary school, I was so embarrassed, I hid it in my closet. I kid you not, I was like, mom, it's a green hat, am I supposed to wear this? And my mom's phone, she's like, don't you like this? And I was like, no. <laughs> Guys, I, like 15 years later, it's after my freshman year in college, I find it in my closet and it was like gold. It was like shining. I was like, <gasps> because then I was cool all of a sudden, you know, I was like, oh, green hat, throwback, snapback, cool, you know. So that's my 90s gear. But I have a present. I, I text my mom last night and I talked to her. And I said, like, Mom, it's 90s night elevation. Can you send me some pictures of little Amir in the 90s? And she was like, this is brown mom moment. She said, 1990? I was like, the 90s, mom. She's like, 90, when you were three. I was born in 87. No, 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 mom, Nin the 90s. She's like, when you were three. I was like, mom. 1990, the decade, you know? She's like, oh, the 90s. Okay, I'll send it to you. And I was like, oh, thank you. So we're going to go through a quick, quick show of Pastor Amir. This is me. Uh, this has nothing to do with the 90s at all. I have never seen this picture in my life, so I just laughed. And I was like, oh, am, I, am I like Sherlock Holmes, brown Sherlock Holmes? Where, where did I get a trench coat? Do I have a magnifying glass in my back pocket? I don't know. Okay, next one. Yeah, come on, Disney. Here's my Disney fans in the house. See, people are like, why do you wear a tank all the time? Because I've been wearing a tank since I was five, baby. That's what you need to know. The tanks were cool in the 90s. They're still cool now. That's my cousin. He loves Mario. Look how sweet. That shirt would be sweet right now. I think I was like kind of nervous by Minnie sneaking up on me. Look at her. She's like about to grab me. And I was like, ugh. That's crazy. Last but not least, this one's, the, this one's bad. Oh, man. So a lot of, a lot of atrocious things are going on right here. Uh, my dad, I ran like a mile run that morning. I'll never forget this day. My dad dressed me up told me to go outside. This is one of like 10 pictures he told me to take and just pose. I have Charlie Brown shorts on. Where the heck do you get Charlie Brown shorts? Yeah, and uh, I know we're, we're now in 2015. That's the best soft smile I've ever done in my life. So I was nervous. Free, will you take that off, please? It's bad. That's so bad. So it's 90s now. If you're wondering, people dress crazy. We're going to kick it uh, in the foyer afterwards. We're going to have some fun, eat food, hang out as a church family. But Today, I'm going to talk to you for you guys for a short while. And our message, the, the sermon series is called Occupy All Streets. And I'm going to explain what that is, and I'm going to give you a couple of ways we can do that in Conway. Occupy All Streets. You got new notes. If you're taking notes, you can get those out. Those are nice and fancy. Our creative team's amazing at our church. And so, this is what you need to know. Jesus modeled this daily. This is the life Jesus lived. He literally occupied all streets. He, everywhere he went, he made an impact. He made a difference in people's lives. He was intentional with everyone. You see, he affected someone. Even the people that were the Pharisees that were kind of haters, he still refined them. He still made an impact in all lives. So we know Jesus to occupy all streets. It doesn't matter a road, uh, a building, a church, everything he went to, he made an impact. So we believe as a church that, man, we are called to occupy all streets. Amen? We are called as a ministry to occupy all streets. And where do we do it? We do it right here in Conway, Arkansas. So guys, you got to know that there, there needs to be, for Jesus, there needs to be a Christian in all places of this city to spread a light in the dark place. How many of y'all know the world is getting darker and darker every day? So Jesus needs you guys. We need you guys. We got to be the church out there that is shining a light in a dark place. Every school, every workplace, every restaurant, every bar. I said bar. People need to kick in the bar. We like what we do sometimes in Christianity. Like we come to know the Lord and get saved. And they're like, I'm not going to the bar anymore. No, the people in the bar need you more than ever. And especially you guys who used to be in the bar like me. That, that's not a bad thing if you have some drinks, but we should be the ones going in there and bringing Jesus to them, not running from them. Right? You know what's happened sometimes, guys? The number one place people crucify people is the church. And that's the last place we're supposed to be crucifying people because Jesus already did that on the cross. I told you I'm going to be fired up, so you have to wait on it. So you guys got to know that Conway is our Jerusalem. 
is our present day Jerusalem. You have to get that in your heart. Yeah, some of y'all are going to go on mission trips. Maybe you love to serve people. You need to know right now God's placed you in places where Conway is your Jerusalem. You have to occupy all streets. Well, what do I call this? I call it FYP on Donaghy, baby. So if you're taking notes, this message entitled FYP on Donaghy. Does it rhyme? Yes. Is it hashtagable? Heck yeah, you can do it. You can pick whatever street you want. It could be Harkrider, it could be Dave Ward, it could be Oak, it could be Prince, it could be German. Uh, man, pick your flavor. I don't care. It could be Moyk Street, Bear Village. Cool. It's all great. FYP on Donaghy. Why are we talking about this? Well, you have to know that the reason why you were created was to be in relationship with Christ first. Does he want you to do stuff? Yes, does he want you to be? But you were created to be in relationship, to be sons and daughters of Jesus Christ first. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. The greatest commandment. There's a lot of commandments. There's a lot of laws. Ultimately, they said that's the greatest. But then after that, I feel like sometimes we miss the point of our, our relationship with God. We miss the point of following Jesus because I know I did forever. <clears throat> so sometimes we think, I'm going to be bold with you, we come to sit in a church and it's almost like a fireproof interest. It's almost like a get out of hell free card. That's why we come to church. So we come to church to do good things, to be good people, to be good. And that's all great, but that's not the true reason we're following Jesus. Sometimes we think it's to put check on our Facebook that we're a Christian follower or under our Instagram we put a scripture. Those are all great things. But that's not why we are followers of Jesus first. We're followers of Jesus to occupy all streets. That God's placed you in a certain place in your life, an organization, a school, a workplace, a family to literally occupy that street. Why? First commandment is to love your God with all of his mind, soul, and strength, right? Second is to love your neighbor as thyself. You can't occupy all streets until you're loving your neighbor. Neighbor, key word there. And the cool thing about all that, then the great commission is that you need to go and make disciples of all nations. Those both have to do with occupied all streets. So you need to know that where you are is where God wants you to be to do something. Big time. FYP on Donaghy. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, I need y'all, if you have Bibles, because you're good Elevation Nation Christians, turn to Luke 19.1. I'm going to get some water while you do that. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. I don't hear a page turning. That's sad. Are we all on phones and iPads? Oh, I see a big Bible back there. Respect. So before we get in the Word, I'm going to share a little FYP on Donaghy Revelation. This is something you have to know before we get into all this. Revelation is simply when God speaks to you. Information is when people speak to you. Revelation is when God speaks to you. So you've ever been reading the word and then, oh, that, that jumped out. People say sometimes it jumps off the page. That's revelation. You ever been in church and you feel like the whole room and a spotlight goes on you and it's like the pastor's talking to you and you're like, God, that was for me. That's revelation. You ever been hanging out with someone and they text you a scripture and you needed to hear that? That's revelation. That's God speaking to you. It's not so much an audible voice. It's in his word. It's in the scriptures, right? But information is just when people are like, well, we can go to school if we want information. So y'all need to write this down. This is a FYP on Donaghy Revelation you got to have. Who you are is not defined by what you do, but by who Jesus says you are. Who you are is not defined by what you do, but by who Jesus says you are. Or you can remix the end. You can say who Jesus is in you. So elevation, it is not about your past. It's not about what you've been through. It's not about what people say you are or say you do or how they perceive you. No, no, no. It's not, nothing to do with that at all. It has nothing to do with labels. Because sometimes we're so, we compare ourselves or we're so scared of what people think. So we have these labels. We think about these little. Jesus had a label. It was carpenter. Because people didn't know until then he was the Messiah. And if you want a label, well, Jesus gives us lots of labels. And the most important one, arguably, is forgiven. That's the label he gave y'all. 
So if you want to live by a label that people are, Jesus said, you are forgiven. You are my son and daughter. I sent my son to the cross for you so you can be forgiven. That's the label you should walk with if you want to walk with one. So before we get into this, you might already be thinking, Mir, I know, Occupy all streets, what am I supposed to do out there? You have the risen Lord inside of you. God sent the Holy Spirit once Jesus went to the cross for you to be in you, and you are forgiven. It's not, about the, it's not about what people say. It's not about your past. It's about who's inside of you and what he says about you. Amen? You've been chosen to do great things for God. Let's jump into the scripture. I'm going to read it for you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. I'm going to break down the scripture as we go, so get ready for some ad lib. He was just passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. So not just an ordinary tax collector. He's the chief. He's the big boss. Rick Ross, tax collector. He wanted to see who Jesus was, so he's curious. But because he was short, which is funny to me, <laughs> he's just a little guy. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I get it. I didn't grow up in church, but y'all sing that song. It's weird. Um, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And a lot of times, guys, when scripture, they're talking about Jesus and the gospel of the crowd, the crowd could be thousands of people. It's not just like 10 people walking around Jesus and he's just smiling. No, no, it's like Zacchaeus gets on a tree. He's already short and he climbs a tree. This dude doesn't even know God and he climbs a tree. What? When Jesus, oh, excuse me. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. What? Jesus just walking, hits the spot, he looks at me, he's like, bing, hey, you, buddy, come on down, go into your house, you're fixing me some food, love, bye, come on, let's go, we're doing it. What? This dude's in the tree, and Jesus just calls him out. So, of course, he's, like, skirmishing down the tree, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna go hang out with Jesus, I don't even know who this guy is, but I'm curious. And the scripture goes on to say, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner? How I many you know that some people, we got haters in this world, have opinion. Oh, my God, can you believe what he just said? Oh, my God, I can't believe they tweeted a Bible verse. Just tell them to shut up. Haters are going to hate. It's okay. These people are like, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, Jesus? They're doubting Jesus. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, right now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. That's huge. For the son of man, talking about himself, Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. That's powerful right there. So Jesus is just walking, passing through Jericho. Jericho wasn't his end destination. He's just walking through. This guy wants to see him. He's just curious, gets up on a tree. Jesus sees him, says, come down. We're going to go put the, put the fish sticks in the microwave. We're going to kick and hang out a little bit. Zacchaeus is just like overwhelmed because he has a moment with God, and he shows some form of repentance, says, God, I'm going to give back, and to all the people I cheated, I'm going to give them four times the amount, and because of that, Jesus said, man, I'm going to bring salvation to this home, and Jesus said, man, I, the son of man, talking about himself, came to seek and save the lost, so if you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you three quick tips to FYP on Donaghy. Number one, go just as you are. You need to go just as you are. So Elevation, Jesus is just walking through the town. I mean, he's just going on with his business, doing his thing. So you got to look at this. You got to think about the people who spent the most time with Jesus, the disciples. Scripture says in the book of Acts that these were unschooled, 
ordinary men, unschooled. So most, if not everyone in this room has graduated high school. A lot of y'all are in college or graduated college and some of y'all got masters and work on doctrines. You're far from ordinary. And these are the people he hung out with. These are the people who did ministry with him. But the problem is, guys, so many times we think we got to get to a certain place to do something for God. We have to have, we have to be a certain holiness. We have to be at a certain place spiritually. So then we think, man, I got to get more of the word. I got to read this many chapters of the book in day. I got to spend this much time with God. I got to pray this much. And it's all by our own works and what we do. But that is a lie from the enemy. Because God wants to use you right now and do things in you and through you. Because why? It's not about ability. It's about availability. He's wanting people that are available to do his work, not this certain litmus test that you got to meet these markers and criteria to do stuff for God. You got to just be open and willing to, what he's, to do what he's asking. So about, well, in 2007, I started. It was after my sophomore year of college. I worked at this camp called Camp War Eagle, um, and it's incredible. I encourage you guys, if you're in college and you don't have summer plans, work at a camp. It doesn't have to be that camp. Be any camp. It'll change your life. So I have been going to church for a year, one year. And, I, and it's, a, it's a Christian-based sports and adventure camp. It's in Northwest Arkansas. It's for broken home and underprivileged kids. It's incredible. Founded by the Want Family Foundation plug. Anyways, uh, and so one of the criteria is that it's not like a Christian camp. Now, we do like a worship in the evening, um, and then we do a Devo at night. So they told me, I'm interviewing, are you prepared to lead a Devo? And I was like, yeah. No. <laughs> I was so scared. So guys, I've been going to church for a year in college. Didn't know one Bible verse by heart. Didn't know anything about the Word of God. I had just been going to church, and they told me that, and I was so scared, so scared. Almost where I let fear creep in. I wasn't even excited about going anymore because I was so scared to teach a Bible study to 12-year-olds, petrified. And by the grace of God, I had incredible co-leaders, and I was just open to them. I was like, guys, I, I, I'm new to this whole Christianity thing. I don't, I don't know, like, anything about Scripture. I don't know, like, can you help me? And, dude, they had my back. They were incredible and I was just really honest with them, just where I was at in life. And they coached me on a lot of stuff, and I grew a lot. And I would just lead these devos. I would do my best, kind of read what was on the thing. And it was just crazy how excited these 12-year-olds were and hungry for the word and how responsive they were. And I didn't know anything, guys. I was literally reading off the book, shaking. And then I'd pray for them, and I'd go outside and be like, oh, I'm going to vomit. Okay. <laughs> One day. we got six days left in this session. All right. I'm in trouble. So, but man, it was just crazy what God did through me, and I was just open right where I was. A lot of, God humbled me so much in that camp in those summers. I'm really competitive, if you know me, and I love to win and, and do stuff like that, so I love to play sports. Well, you coach there. So I'm like coaching these kids, and I got to coach the oldest kids, and then some of my kids would have a bad attitude because that's how we roll as boys. Sometimes we just get a little mad when we play sports, just a little bit. And I'm like telling them, hey, guys, you can't be yelling at the ref. You can't be getting into it. And I was the same guy at UCA who's arguing with the ref at intramurals, who's making a scene, who's embarrassing my friends. It's, it's, it's funny, but it's kind of not. And God just humbled me so much at that camp. So it wasn't just that I couldn't lead a study. I just kept being open to what my struggles were and keep doing it and keep doing it. And it was the first time I had men of God, people who loved God and was, was ahead of me, encouraged me. Well, one morning, my, my small group leader was a, was a camp counselor there from UCA, and there was a guy at Washita that was there. They both played college soccer. So we woke up in the morning really early to go hit the soccer ball around. And I remember we were walking, it was the end of the summer, and they were kind of just checking in on me. That's what we'd call it in the Christian world. Be like, they're like, how's everything going? Man, how are you with God? Are you tired? So, and they, I remember they were asking me questions, and I couldn't answer them. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, are you spending time with God? What's God teaching you? And I was like, I don't know. I'm teaching the devos. Does that help? Like, uh, that's what he's teaching me. And I just remember I got, I got really challenged. I didn't know what to say. And they're like, Amir, are you, are you saved? And I was like, uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> question mark. No, I don't know. I, they, they were like, do you, have you received Jesus? Have you made a decision for Jesus? And I was like, 
I couldn't answer him, guys, and I got really nervous. I was like, I, I think, I mean, I always go up to the front of the church when they say, have you been, like, the altar call, you know, if you would. I was like, I always go up there. It's like every week I go up there, but something's going on. I'm like, well, come on with it, you know, and I didn't know what was going on. But <laughs> it's bad, bad, freshman rough year. And they're like, man, I, I don't think you're saved. And I was just like, man, I, don't, I guess I'm not. I don't think I am either. So right there, August 2007, these guys prayed over me, and I prayed to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. You can give God a hand right there because he's so good. So I've been going to church for a year, and I had not made a decision for God. I knew God, but I hadn't made a decision for God. So you got to get this elevation. I was petrified of leading a devo, and I led a devo, and I wasn't even a Christian. I was humbled by God, and I wasn't even a Christian yet. I was teaching these kids and pouring into these kids, and I wasn't even a Christian yet. And at the end of the summer, I made a decision for God, and things clicked, and I had the best six months of my life ever. But God used me right where I was because it's not about ability. It's about availability. So you can't tell me you can't go out there in that world in your schools and your works and do something for God because I wasn't a Christian and I was encouraging some people. That's what you got to know about this. You got to go just as you are. Don't worry about having it all together. That's why we have Jesus. And remember he, what he said about you. You're forgiven and he is inside of you. Number two, no one is unreachable. We're getting bold. We're going to get bolder and bolder. No one is unreachable. So we're going just as we are. No one is unreachable. Verse 2 says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So this is what you need to know about tax collectors back then. People hated them. They were the scum of the scum. They're like our present-day convicts, felons. No one liked them, outcasts, them and prostitutes. No one was a fan, right? So not only is he a tax collector where he's taking people's money, he's a chief tax collector. And him and his role, what he would do is he would take the taxes, and then he would take some more so he'd get wealthy. So he's like taxing his fellow peers, and he's really rich. So people hated him. Literally hated him. Like, this dude's walking around. No one's trying to make eye contact. No one's trying to hang out with him. No one's inviting him to bar mitzvahs. I don't, Jewish, it was a joke. I didn't know if it'd work. And so I don't know what's going on, but no one likes this dude, Zacchaeus. And he's just hanging out one day. Here's Jesus coming, and he climbs a tree. Guys, back then, like, people wore, like, tights, kind of like your skinny jeans now, sorry. But it's, like, tights. So this dude's climbing a tree because he wants to see Jesus, because he's curious about that. But, you know, sometimes, guys, people want to see Jesus more than you think. Sometimes our perception of people is, man, they're unreachable. There's no way they want to hang out with God. Hey, have you asked, have you invited him to church? Have you ever talked to him about God? No, man, there's no way. There's no way that guy, there's no way that girl will, will want to be into the things of God. So what we do in society, and I, guys, I'm not talking about celebrities and all that. That's cool if you influence them, more probably. I'm talking about in Conway, Arkansas. We tag people as unreachable in our schools, in our workplaces, in the cubicle next to us who were doing life with me, they're not, there's no way they could come to know God. So a year ago, when I was still an intern here, I was, I was coaching some leaders, that was my role, and a couple of my guys led a small group in a fraternity. And so there was this guy that, um, you know, those countless guys, I'm always encouraging them, hey, how can you get more guys there? How can you invite every guy there? And they're like, man, we can't invite these guys over there. And I'm like, why? They're like, man, there's no way they would ever come to small group. There's no way, dude. They're just kicking it every weekend and hanging out with girls. They don't really care. Just kick it, bros. That's what we call it in Greek life because we think that's funny for some reason. It's cute, but I don't get it. And it's like, man, they just hang out. They're not, they're not interested in things of God. He was a great guy, but man, he, he didn't care. He didn't care to come to small group. And a year ago, one time in December, they just sent a text and invited him. Hey, man, we're having our last small group. I hope you can come. And this dude came. The unreachable in their fraternity came. Probably didn't say a word, took it all in. He texted small group leaders a couple days later and says, man, I think... I'm really interested about this God stuff because he had a moment with God in that small group. All it took was an, an invitation. 
And so they kept following up with them. They kept talking with them. Christmas break goes on. Then they come back for the year. People are hanging out. One night, they're all hanging out somewhere and partying. This guy was drinking. He looked at the small group leader and said, hey, man, no matter what I do tonight, no matter how drunk I get, no matter how I party, I need you to wake me up in the morning and take me to church. He would have never said that before because he's unreachable. He doesn't care about God. So the next morning, that guy went, woke him up. He just passed out, woke him up, got him ready, got him dressed. They came to church. And then he came the next week. And then he came the next week. And then he started coming to the elevation. And then the people are eating and they're after church or going to his house to eat with his family. And now that guy's living for God, striving for the things of God, trying to, trying to clean some stuff up. And he's a great, but man, he is living for God. But he was unreachable, Amir. And one text message, compelled by the Spirit, one text message changed that guy's course. So we can't be people that call people unreachable because God loves them just as much as he loves us. Those are his sons and daughters just as much as anyone else's. But sometimes we put this, like some of y'all have been called unreachable. Some of y'all a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, me 10 years ago were not in church. And people used to look at you and say you were unreachable. And now you are leading in a model and a light for Jesus. Because he loves everyone. There's a guy in our ministry who's a young adult, and he told me this at lunch a couple months ago. He said, Amir, Elevation's awesome. I wish I had Elevation. He goes, and I'm not talking about in college. He goes, I'm talking about when I graduated from 24 to 28. I was in the world, getting drunk every night, hanging out with girls. He goes, if I had Elevation, my life would be completely different. I was 100% unreachable. And now he's in our church. He got baptized last fall. He's serving every week. He's doing things for God. And he is a light in this city, in this ministry. One moment with God. Just one moment. Me and Seth always say, man, we believe people are one text message away from a breakthrough. One text message. So what's cool about the story, guys, is that there's people who desperately want and need Jesus, but the crowd is in their way. So you notice what Jesus did first? Zacchaeus did it. He climbed on a tree to get away from the crowd. It's probably because he's a wee little man. But then Jesus gets to the spot, is what Scripture says. He knew, and he looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, we're going to your house. He had to get him out of the crowd. Countless times when I was in undergrad, whether it was in the fraternity, whether it was at a bar, whether it was when I was in grad school, there was people and they'd always, I have like this heart to heart thing in my forehead and bros want to talk, not just about God, but about their girlfriend, about things that are going on. And I loved it. But those talks never happened in the crowd. They never happened in the middle of the bar when everyone's kicking. It would be when we'd pull off to the side and be like, hey, come talk to me outside. And then they would pour their heart out. Because some of y'all, you need to know elevation. Sometimes you need to pull people out of the crowd, even if it means you grab their shirt and do it. And you show them grace and you love on them and you meet them where they're at. Not to convict them. We're not the judge either. That's what our generation needs to hear. The same way we've been forgiven, we need to forgive others. The same way we've been given grace, we need to give grace to others. But sometimes you've got to go in the crowd and pull people out. Just like Jesus did with Zacchaeus. No one's unreachable. Can we believe that together? Come on. Number three. Embrace the interruptions. So you're going to go just as you are. No one is unreachable in Jesus' name. And we're going to embrace the interruptions. Verse 1 says that Jesus entered Jericho and was just passing through. It was not his end destination elevation. He was just on the way. He was just walking. He was just going through town. So many times in our life that we are caught up about what we have to do and where we have to go and where we have to be next in our schedule. And some of y'all are amazing, but you got to be on time. And I love that about you. But you're like, got to be on time. So I got, you're walking across. I see you in town, and you're like, I got to go. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, cool. You don't care what I have to say because you got to be on time. And it's not at mirror expense. You're a cool pastor, but see ya. Bye. Some of y'all are just kind of always late. Eh, it happens. It's okay. But then you're always trying to make up for time. So then when I see you, you're like, I got to go. I'm 15 minutes late. I can't be 30 minutes late. You know, it's like, oh, God. Oh, boy. 
But we let time dictate our lives so much. We get in flows. This is social media days. Hashtag workflow, eh, emoji. Hashtag gym flow. Hashtag school flow. Hashtag food flow. Food, food, you know, food's awesome. I love Instagram about that. But it's just like we get in our routine and we go and we go and we go and we go. But guys, we got to embrace interruptions. What do you think about this? What if I told you that the majority, almost all, of the miracles Jesus performed were interruptions? So just this story right here, he's just walking through town. He sees a guy on the tree, he tells him to come down, and salvation came to his home. The scripture before, the chapter before Pastor Neil talked about it, there was a blind man on the street as he's walking to Jericho. He's not even at Jericho yet, and he heals that blind man, and then he keeps going to Jericho. In in the gospel, there's a woman with the issue of the blood, and she's had this issue for years, and there's a crowd of people, which could be thousands of people, and she just knows if I can even just touch Jesus, that maybe I can be healed. She touches Jesus. There's tons of people grabbing and trying to high-five and hug Jesus, and he looks back when she touches, and he said, who grabbed me? He looks at her and says, because of your faith, you're healed. Interruption. Interruption. Some, there's one story in the Bible that these people are hanging out in their house and they're praying for someone and these bros bust through the roof, they drop their friend in and they say, Jesus, we need you to pray for him and heal for him. Can you imagine if Jesus is like, sorry, we're going to take time out on me praying for him. This is awkward. Can you imagine you're eating dinner and like someone busts through your roof and I walk in, I was like, we got to pray for him, we got to pray for him now, we got to pray. And you're like, all right, Lord, just, I thank you for this food and this person. You know, it's crazy. Interruption, Right? That's crazy. They dropped him. They lowered him from a house. It means they couldn't get in. This one's my favorite. Have y'all heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? A lot of y'all have heard that, right? I learned this six months ago, Elevation. It's my favorite miracle. Right before that story, the literal scripture before that, Jesus finds out that John the Baptist, which is kind of like his mentor, the guy who baptized him was beheaded. So Jesus was trying to get away because the scripture said that he was grieved and he was trying to get alone from God. So he got on a boat and he goes away. And when he gets off the boat, there's thousands of people there. I don't know if y'all have ever been in a hurry or ever been in a bad mood or ever been having a tough day, but the last thing you want is a thousand people like, hey, Mary, hey, Mary, hey, Mary, hey, Mary, shut up. <laughs> he gets off the boat and scripture says he had compassion on them and he healed all that were sick. His best friend just got killed and he had compassion on them and healed all that were sick. And then he's walking, the disciples, ye of little faith, come up and say, Jesus, all these people here you've been preaching, how are we going to feed them? Can we send them away? He says, no, bring me what we have. I'll take this Lunchable and and make it work. He prays, breaks it, and he feeds 5,000. And scripture says 5,000 men. So scholars believe that could be women and children, at least 8, 9, 10,000 people. Three miracles in one. And all he was trying to go do is hang out with the father because his best friend just got killed. Interruption, interruption, interruption. So you guys, you got to know it's the theme of our year, though. Jesus was compelled by the Spirit. Every day, scripture talks about countless times he got away and sought God. I just imagine him waking up and saying, God, your will be done today, whatever you have. And we're the same way. We're compelled by the Spirit the same way. It doesn't mean you have to have a quiet time every morning. It's when you wake up and you come to and you just say, God, whatever you have today, your will be done. I have a schedule. I have to go to work. I have to go to class, whatever. But your will be done today. Let me be open to what you have. Because for Jesus, these weren't interruptions. They were divine appointments. Because he sought God in the morning. And then when these came up, when he sees this dude in the tree, he goes, yeah, that's not, that's not for an accident. That's for sure what God wants. That dude's in a tree, and he's small, and he has tights on. I probably should tell him to come down. Let's go eat. <laughs> but he was looking for opportunities, Elevation. And I feel like in the same way, if we aren't looking for these opportunities, these interruptions will just be dismissed. We'll see an interruption. We're like, well, that one's supposed to happen. We'll keep walking. 
But man, Jesus made it a part of his day. We gotta embrace interruptions. We're gonna go, we're gonna dig into the Bible a little bit. Okay. So all of life happens, general statement, I think you'll agree, in a time and a place, right? Well, in the Greek, a place is the word topo. That's where we get topography. So anytime you have any moment, any part of your life has a place. But the word time is actually two words in the Greek. The first one is chronos, which is chronological time, which is it's 5 o'clock, which is it's 7 o'clock, which is it's 8 o'clock, or it's a calendar. It's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday. That's chronos time. But a second word in the Greek for time is kairos, K-A-R-I-O-S. And scripture says the definition of that is a favorable moment, a favorable moment, meaning they come and go. They're not always here. They are gifts from God. So it's when you, when you have that moment with God, when something clicks, when you get revelation, when you get encouraged, when it's a really tough day and you pray, those are kairos moments. But also when you have a heart-to-heart, when you're friend, when you're there for someone who's hurting, when you celebrate, when someone graduates, and when something's incredible, kairos moments. They come and they go, Right? But let me tell you this elevation. What the enemy uses to, to halt us from those Kairos moments is busyness. Busyness is his number one tool to get us out of there. Because he knows if we're just going, 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 schedule, 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 next, 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 we're not going to have these Kairos moments. Hurry. Is that, and also when, with us spending time with God. This happens to me all the time. I want to wake up and get in the Word. And morning's not really my thing, but I got to go to work. I get ready. So then I want to go to get in the Word before I go to sleep, but I'm really tired, so I want to go to sleep. And it's hurry, hurry, hurry. And Pastor Neil tells us all the time, he's like, tells our pastor, he's like, hey, we have to get to a place where we're eliminating hurry out of our life. So we're open to do what God can do when only he can do. We're open to interruptions. So last year we were in Chicago. We went on a mission trip to Chicago. We're going back this spring break in two weeks. That's crazy. And uh, we're bringing 50 people too, so it's going to be fun. Occupy all streets, Chi-Town. Um, and so we were hanging out, we had had dinner, we, you know, we had done ministry all day, but the dinner was super chill. So we were just hanging out. And I remember we got done with dinner, and I don't know what I was doing, but I was thirsty, so I wanted a Gaty. Gaty's are short for Gatorade. Um, that's the soccer swag for the, and so that's what we call them. And I wanted a Gaty, so I'm like walking, you know, the group's like chilling, so we're about to leave, and I said, hold on. And it wasn't a gas station, because they didn't have gas pump, but it's like a mart on the corner street, right? So I'm walking, and I see these two younger kids. They're probably freshmen in high school. You know, we're in Chicago, so we're trying to be super intentional. I was like, what's up, guys? And they're kind of standing out the thing, and they're kind of like looking down, and they're like, hey, man. I was like, are y'all okay? What are y'all doing? They're like, oh, we're just waiting here. We're trying to get home. And I was like, are you waiting for someone? And they're like, no, no, no. Uh, we're trying to take the train home. And I was like, well, why don't you take the train home? And they're like, well, we don't have money to take it home. And guys, there's a lot of homeless people in Chicago, and not, not, most of them don't have an agenda, but some of them ask. But these guys were completely, they weren't trying, they had no agenda. They were just trying to get home. And I remember I looked over at Seth, and I was like, Seth, come here. And I waved Seth over, and I was like, so what are y'all talking about? What you, how, how do you get home? What if you can't get home tonight? And they're like, man, it, and they stopped making eye contact. They looked down, they're like, man, it, it happens all the time, and we just sleep on the street. Because they lived about 15 blocks away, which is about two and a half hour walk in the inner city of Chicago, so they always take the train home. But if they don't have enough money, they can't take the train home, so they just, we sleep here so we can go to school tomorrow. And I was like, guys, I, I'm sorry. I don't have, guys, I never carry cash. I was like, I don't have any cash. Like, uh, I don't know what to do. I was like, well, are you hungry? And they're like, well, we're okay. We ate lunch at school. But, and I was like, well, can we, let's go in the store. Because I was going to the Easy Mart to get to Gady. Hello. And I was like, let's go get you a snack, right? So me and Seth go in there. And I, I was like, get whatever you want. And I, I never forget the look on the kid's face. They were like, what? And I was like, it's okay. Just get a drink and snack. You're okay? And they were like, oh, okay. 
And I remember these kids were getting in there like, then they're like kids. They're like, yeah, I got donuts. I got donuts. They're like grabbing everything. I was like, this is a bad idea. We gotta, you got to pay for half. I got to pay for half. And I remember getting the, you know, like the rolly taquito things that somehow spin all day and aren't burnt. I don't know how y'all eat them because that scares the crap out of me. There's no way Pastor Neil eats those because he'd throw them up. And so it's just like spinning all day. Well, this kid grabbed one. Said, Sorry, we're going to go silly. He's like, Seth looked at me. He's like, bro, don't eat that. And the kid like stopped his tracks and it was like in the little bag, you know? And Seth goes, don't eat that, bro. And he's like, why? He's like, bro, that's going to give you gas. You're going to be pooping all night. And he's like, and the kid like put it back on this big thing. And he was just like this. And I was like, Seth, he's like, I'm serious. This is bad. Cool. <laughs> so they didn't get that. And uh, <laughs> so this, I can't make this stuff up. That's the best part. <laughs> Man, these kids are so cool. But I remember we walked out and I mean, they still didn't have a way home. We were just trying to talk to them, encourage them. So, and people were like, hey, guys, we got to go. They didn't know what was going on. You know, our, the rest of our crew, they thought we were just talking. So, like, we got to go, we got to go. We were walking back to the hotel. It was late. I mean, this is 10 o'clock at night, guys. And we're like, hey, guys, can we pray with you real fast? Because thankfully, we're on a mission trip, so we're open to the things of God. And, and I didn't let an interruption hit me, thank God. And we just prayed for them. And, man, they were just encouraged. They gave us a hug. And they're like, thank you so much. And guys, at the end of the day, we didn't help them get home. But I believe God allowed us to have a Kairos moment with them to encourage them to be there for me. It was an interruption. And I'm not trying to give us glory. It took me preparing for this message to realize it. Man, God gives us those moments every single day. Man, guys, we have to embrace the interruptions. We can't let hurry get in our life because that's what Jesus did. And then there aren't interruptions anymore. They're divine appointments. Well, FYP on Donaghy. You know, I've been excited to talk about this. This topic is really big on my heart and you know, we talk about find your place a lot, and what we want more than anything is that you're growing in your relationship with God, and then you plug into the church, and then you find a biblical community. But guys, the second form of the vision of our, our ministries, I just pray, is we take it out there. Because man, the church is a body, it's not a building. It's, we're not supposed to meant to do it in here, it's outside the four walls. And I've just been praying this over y'all for months, and I finally got to talk about it. That we would be a ministry that gives God glory, and we are occupying those streets out there one minute away in Conway, Arkansas. And guys, I'm just saying, we gotta be open to encouraging people, to serving people, to smiling at people. Because as Christians, we like to overcomplicate what God wants us to do. We think we gotta pull out the Bible and show a bridge diagram. No, 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 sometimes, but he just wants you to smile at people. When you're at Walmart and the lady's discouraged, you can say, hey, God loves you. Hey, thank you for serving me. Hey, thank you for doing some stuff. And you're just open to what God has. Will sometimes God give you opportunities to share your story? Yes. Will God sometimes allow you to share maybe scripture or something like this or pray for someone? Yes. But so much of it's living out of the overflow and just being a light for Jesus. That's what it is. But we want to overcomplicate it. He has placed you in the city, in your family, in your workplace, in your school for a reason, for this very time. So we talked about a few things. We talked about, man, right where you're at right now, that's where God wants to use you. We talked about, man, no one's unreachable. And lastly, don't let these distractions get in your way. You got to avoid them. So we have these Kairos moments. I want to ask y'all a question. <laughs> it's simply like, what's different about your life than maybe people out there that you don't know in our city? And I'll tell you, it's simply that, man, you have Jesus. You have Jesus. I'm going to say it again because we take that for granted. You have the Spirit of God living inside you because that's how much Jesus loved you so much. When he died and he went back to heaven after he rose again, he said, I'm going to send you an helper. I'm going to send you an encourager. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that will live with you every single day of your life. But we act like sometimes we don't have Jesus inside of us, and we do. Guys, Jesus fulfilled, Scripture fulfilled a prophecy with a donkey. A, do a donkey. One day this was a donkey. 
Then this one special Kairos day, he was with Jesus. Then he was back to being a donkey. And on that day, the fulfilling of that prophecy was that all he simply did was carry Jesus into the town. And all I'm challenging you guys to do today is to carry Jesus in your life and then share him with people. However God leads you, however you're compelled by the Spirit, the theme of our year as a church, however he wants you to do that. Because remember what God said about you. He said you're forgiven, but he said he loves you with an everlasting love. He said you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He said that you will go on and do even greater works than me. Jesus said that about us, about our generation. You will go on and do even greater works to me through me. That's the label he gave you. So if you're ever doubting or if you're still doubting yourself, your God loves you more than ever, and he's called you to be sons and daughters and then love your neighbor after him. And that's what I pray over you guys. That's what I pray the kind of ministry we will be. And we will be light in this city wherever God has planted us, and we will change this city for Jesus. Can I get an amen?